This is Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi, sponsored by St. Francis Hospital, Ratchford Eye Center, Hartford Healthcare, MD Advantage, and UConn Health Orthopedic and Sports Medicine. Healthy Rounds provides general information regarding medical conditions and diseases. The information is not intended to create a doctor-patient relationship. You are encouraged to consult your own medical provider for advice that applies to your own medical care. And now, Dr. Anthony Alessi on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com. Welcome to Healthy Rounds, the show that provides you with up-to-date medical information and we answer all of your health questions. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and it's great to be back with you for our 46th consecutive program dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, You know, spring is arriving now and we're seeing nicer weather. In fact, we get to turn uh, our clocks ahead by an hour. So uh, the spring is really changing a lot of things around here. But we are still dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. And in fact, we are now surpassed 530 million lives lost in the United States to this virus. As many of you know who regularly listen to the program, this is the time of year when I am typically in Florida with my job working with the New York Yankees. Um, This year I have opted not to since there's relatively low attendance there. We don't have the minor leagues in, and uh, I think it's best to restrict travel. But uh, for the last two Saturdays, um, I've been working at Dunkin' Donuts Park, the home of the Hartford Yard Goats, with vaccinations and working with a group called the Medical Reserve Corps here in Connecticut to vaccinate people and get as many people vaccinated as possible in the shortest amount of time. And I have to tell you, working those Saturday mornings there has been among the most rewarding things I've done as a physician. And the reason is I know that this vaccine will avoid death. And in doing so, it just gives me great pleasure to be able to do what is a relatively simple act that will preserve someone's life and keep them healthy. The other rewarding part is I work with volunteers, many volunteers through the Medical Reserve Corps. Those volunteers are not just doctors or nurses or pharmacists. They are also people who have computer expertise, organizational expertise. We have medical students. We also have uh, young people from the community who help just wipe things down. Uh, It's a bustling place, and every week that I go there, it gets better. It gets uh, a little smoother. We're able to do more and more people. Uh, Today, again, they had over 400 reservations uh, for people to come. And many of the people who are coming there uh, are from all all over the capital region, but many are from an underserved population in the sense that they're able to take a bus there for free. They're able to get a free Uber ride there. Although I see a lot of people bringing their elder relatives and cousins and uncles and aunts uh, to there to get the vaccine. One of the other rewarding parts of it is uh, at the end of the day, there are sometimes extra vaccines that can't go to waste. So they have been uh, defrosted. 
um, they are ready to go. But for whatever reason, someone wasn't able to come for the appointment, in which case we have to use it. So it's interesting because you'll have people uh, yesterday. I was at a clinic and there was a courier who comes to pick up samples who had just inquired, you know, about when it would be his turn to get a vaccine. And uh, I guess someone told him, well, how about now? Because we have extra vaccine. And it's like working with people who hit the lottery. I mean, really, you feel like what? It's And all of a sudden they're in the queue to get the first vaccine or the second vaccine. So it, it works out really well. Uh, so that's where I've been for the past two weeks. I encourage listeners who have some skill, whether it be medical or not, to, to get in touch with the people at the Medical Reserve Corps. If you Google CT Responds, uh, it's very rewarding. Uh, and I think it's important that we do this as a community. I also wanted to talk a little bit about the, the various criteria. So now that I've been doing this for a while, you know, I haven't seen one serious reaction. People are always worried about these serious reactions to the vaccine. Haven't seen one of those yet. And it's interesting because we go down a list of questions for people. We ask, obviously, do you if you feel ill today, uh, have you had a reaction to any vaccines in the past? And again, this is not necessarily something disqualifying. It is just to get that information down. Do you Have you had anaphylaxis, that reaction where you can't breathe and you start to have swelling in your throat? So we want to get those out in advance. But one of the confusing things, and I want to clarify, the confusion is the use of people who are on blood thinners, drugs like Xeralto, Eliquis, or Coumadin, Warfarin. These are not disqualifying. It's a question we ask so that we know if we should observe you for longer than the 15 minutes. So it's usually after getting the vaccine is a 15 or 30 minute vaccination period. With the drug Coumadin or Warfarin, we also ask if you had a recent INR. That's a blood test that measures your coagulability. Again, this is not anything to disqualify you. It's just information to get. So I want people to know uh, I have not really had disqualifications in seeing many, many people uh, to get the vaccine. So I don't want people sitting back, well, maybe I shouldn't go because, um, because I have an allergy to this or because I'm on that. Now, those uh, excuses really don't hold up. So with that, uh, you know, we want to make sure we get the most information. And obviously, if you have an immune problem uh, where you uh, have a, an immunity issue, again, talk to your doctor, call the line, and find out. The statistics are staggering as always. And I mentioned at the outset of the program, 530 million Americans are dead. Uh, but I'd like to focus on Another figure, and that is that 31.4 million Americans are fully vaccinated. In Connecticut, we have 362,000 fully vaccinated people. That's 10% of our population that have now received two vaccines or received the one Johnson & Johnson vaccine. 
another altogether 948,000 Connecticut residents have received at least one dose. This is a tremendous number when you look at other states. Connecticut has done a great job mobilizing and getting the vaccine out. And that's why you're seeing these numbers go down. Our positivity rate is dropping again. It was 2.47% yesterday. So as we get the vaccine out there, the numbers are starting to drop and we are able to do more things. And we're going to talk about that uh, in our next segment in some of the new CDC guidelines uh, for vaccinated people. But I want to get to one topic that I'm always talking about here and I can't emphasize enough, and that is the continued use of masks when you are out in public. Masks are a physical barrier to this virus, and we've learned a lot about it. We've learned about holding your mask up to light, or now people say use the flashlight test. Hold your mask, put the flashlight on on your phone. If that shines through the mask, it's not holding particles back, and you need to double mask. And that's usually the case with fairly simple cloth masks that might be one layer. So we know what masks work best, things like N95 respirators. Okay. But I am still hearing a variety of talk show pundits with no scientific background and political agendas come on the air and say, we know masks don't work. If they were to say that on Twitter, they'd be shut down. Anywhere else, they would censor that talk because it's not true. And repeatedly, we have seen that it's working. So with that, um, I do want to stand corrected that um, it's 530,000. I believe I misspoke before. Uh, it's 530,000 Americans who have uh, lost their lives uh, to COVID. Um, so I wanted to make sure I clarify that for everyone. With that, we're going to take a short break and we're going to be back uh, talking about vaccine guidelines and new vaccine information available to all. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. Back on Healthy Rounds, I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and it's great to be with you on this Saturday morning. So a couple of things uh, that come up that I wanted to discuss, and in the second half of today's program, I wanted everybody to know we're going to be talking with Dr. Subramani Sitharama. Dr. Sitharama is the Chief of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Hartford HealthCare, but we're going to be talking about a new program at Hartford HealthCare. It's called the Hartford HealthCare COVID-19 Recovery Center. And we're going to talk about many of these post-acute symptoms, the so-called long haulers, people who have had COVID and are still having symptoms, and the program he directs there. So we're going to be chatting about that uh, with him in the second half of the program. So uh, one discussion has been the issue of vaccine hesitancy. As we all know by now, we have to get as high a percentage of people vaccinated if we're going to reach what is termed herd immunity. 
people throw the number out at about 80% of the population, in which case we could fully relax and go back to not wearing masks anywhere and not having to socially distance. And a lot of people have thrown the number around of vaccine hesitancy. About 30% of people don't want to get the vaccine. There's a big difference between terminologies here. There's vaccine hesitancy and there's vaccine defiancy. The vaccine hesitant people are, I have encountered with patients or people just asking questions. These are people who have inquiring minds, have very good questions, and I'm happy to answer them. If they have a question about the vaccine that I can answer or point them in the right direction. So as always, people can reach out to me at info at alessimd.com. Vaccine defiant people are people who typically see this as a political issue. Um, and in which case, they're not going to get it. There's no convincing that group of people. The vaccine hesitant people are ever declining in terms of their percentage. And the reason is because as time has gone on, they've seen many of us who have gotten the vaccine and we're not ill. We've been able to get back to a little bit more normalcy in our lives and are feeling a little bit more safe about going forward with the vaccine. So we're going to have enough supply now of the vaccine by May to vaccinate all Americans. And it's crucial that we get to that number. But we also have to bear in mind that we need to reach this number worldwide because this is not just an American phenomenon, COVID-19. Don't forget, this is worldwide. Many of the cases came to us from Europe and Asia okay, during this pandemic. So by means of the word pandemic, it being worldwide, we have to really play a role in getting the whole world vaccinated to get real safety. Now, there's always a lot of discussion about the vaccines. There's the Pfizer vaccine, Moderna vaccine, and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine now. Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are the two-shot messenger RNA vaccines. These are uh, vaccines that have been newly designed over the last 10 years or so in a different way of approaching the virus. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine is an adenovirus type of vaccine where it uses a different mechanism. None of these infect you with virus. And all are 100% effective in preserving your life. No one in any of the trials who have gotten these vaccines, in terms of millions of people now, have died from COVID-19. So that's the important figure. Don't go running around chasing what's more efficacious, 72%, 85%. Doesn't mean anything. What it really means is, is this vaccine going to keep me out of the hospital? <clears throat> and keep me safe from dying. And that's why, that's where all three vaccines are effective. 
So it's important to keep that number really in your head as going forward. Now, some people have gotten symptoms afterwards, a sore arm, uh, some flu-like symptoms, but all of those have passed. So you really have to focus on the end game here as we plan to go forward. The good news this week are the new CDC guidelines for those people who are fully vaccinated. And we need to define that term, fully vaccinated. So fully vaccinated means if you've gotten the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine, you have gotten both of your doses and you have waited two weeks after the second dose for your body's immunity to kick in. So that's the definition of fully vaccinated. With the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, easier, right? Because you only get one shot and then two weeks later. So it's a much shorter time period before you are considered fully vaccinated. So what does it mean now to be fully vaccinated? Well, it means that you can now visit with other people who are fully vaccinated indoors, without masks, without maintaining six feet of social distance. That means you can have a meal with friends and small gatherings if everyone is fully vaccinated. So this primarily affects older adults, right? Because we started with older people and people who were more susceptible to being ill. Now, the next thing, the next great barrier in these new guidelines is that if you are fully vaccinated, you can now visit with other people who are of low risk, typically from one household, family members who are of low risk. You don't need to wear a mask. They don't need to wear a mask. And you don't need to socially distance. So again, this opens the door to meeting with your grandchildren without masks if you are fully vaccinated. This means that you will be able to have Easter dinner with your family members. The other breakthrough has been with respect to quarantine. So if you are fully vaccinated, you no longer need to quarantine or test if you've had, even if you've had contact with someone with COVID-19, as long as you're not having symptoms. So symptoms are going to be the guide as to whether or not you need to test again. So we are starting to see the benefits of the vaccine as it gradually comes out and we see more and more people. And as I meant, as I mentioned previously, Uh, you know, fully uh, 10% of the Connecticut population has been fully vaccinated. The next great hurdle for us is designing drugs that will attack the virus, a treatment for COVID-19. And that's what people are working on now. We we don't have an effective treatment. We've been using monoclonal antibodies, uh, which have been pretty much the most the most effective way if someone becomes ill of treating it. But the idea is this, the virus exists 
only because it has to have a host. So it has to attach to a live cell. The vaccine does not go into your cells. That's another misnomer, misinformation out there. Vaccine does not go into your cells. Vaccine attacks this spike protein that the virus uses to attach to a cell. There is a chemical reaction by which that spike protein attaches to your healthy cells. And in so doing, new drugs are being developed, the so-called protease inhibitors and other protein inhibitors that block this reaction. That's what they did. Those are the drugs they decide to treat the HIV infection. So in the same way, if the virus cannot attach to your healthy cells, it dies and you don't become ill. And those are the next treatments that are being developed. We're going to get ready to take, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to be back with my guest, Dr. Subramani Sitharama. Dr. Sitharama is the chief of physical medicine and rehabilitation for Hartford Healthcare. But we're going to be talking about the long haulers, these extended symptoms that you begin to see after people have been infected with COVID-19 and his work in a multidisciplinary clinic at the Hartford Healthcare COVID-19 Recovery Center. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. Welcome back to Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and in this half of our program, it gives me great pleasure to have as my guest Dr. Subramani Sitharama. Uh, Dr. Sitharama is the Chief of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation for Hartford HealthCare, and more recently, he's become involved uh, with the Hartford HealthCare COVID Recovery Center, and this is a center that's been set up at Hartford HealthCare to address uh, the needs of people who have had COVID-19 and have persistent symptoms. Uh, Money, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me, Tony. Um, it's a pleasure. Hey, let's start by, you know, I think you're the first specialist in physical medicine and rehabilitation, the first physiatrist I've had on the program. Can you tell our listeners uh, what a physiatrist is, what your specialty in medicine is all about? Uh, thank you, Tony. I hope this is one of many physiatrists you'll have. Uh, so it's a great question because we are, uh, I call us, call us as shadow specialists. Uh, we are uh, physicians who are trained in the management and, and diagnosis of injuries. Could be mild injuries, could be musculoskeletal sports injuries, uh, and could be devastating injuries like you have in a motor vehicle accident or low back pain or neck pain. We also take care of people with uh, uh, impairments and disabilities from uh, acute and chronic illness, which is uh, very relatable to our discussion today, like COVID-19 patients who have uh, physical and cognitive deficits after uh, infection like this. We also take care of people with chronic uh, disabling conditions like spinal cord injury, traumatic brain injury, and strokes, uh, where we might be managing these patients for most of their lifetime. Uh, uniquely, we collaborate with our colleagues when appropriate. We look at a patient globally. We don't look at one organ or one organ system. And our goal in management is functional recovery, quality of life, and wellness. That's what rehab is. All right. That's a, that's a great summary. Uh, Mani, so there are a lot of different 
terminologies out there. Most recently, Dr. Fauci has used the term post-acute sequelae of SARS-CoV-2 or PASC. Um, we affectionately know these persistent symptoms and people who suffer from them as the so-called uh, long haulers. Um, how do you define what best what we're dealing with now, and why was the Hartford Healthcare Recovery Center established? So, Tony, uh, you, you know, when, when this whole pandemic started, um, it was all about uh, severe illness. It was all about admissions to ICU um, and the mortality of the disease. And we were concentrating on the folks who were severely ill and managing them. And then in July, we started hearing reports from China and Italy about some of these severely ill patients coming back with persistent cardiac symptoms, pulmonary symptoms, radiological changes of lung scarring. Uh, th those were kind of those things. We were concentrating on that, that group of folks. And then uh, towards the fall, we started hearing about what uh, we, uh, our listeners know as the long haulers. These are people who have persistent symptoms, but they had maybe mild to moderate uh, uh, effects of uh, COVID-19. So it, this is loosely defined. And um, when I, if you look for a good definition, uh, I would call them as people who have persistent symptoms one to three to six months after a documented COVID-19 infection. And uh, we are unable to identify risk factors. So if we wanted to predict who would be a COVID long hauler, we know that people who have underlying conditions of anxiety, um, underlying COPDs, they seem to have more of a, a, a persistent uh, a problem with recovering from it. Um, one of the uh, providers called this as a, uh, a tail recovery um, uh, from an illness. Usually you have an illness, you take medication, you get better, but there seems to be a persistent effect um, in, in about 10 to 15% of these patients uh, that, that have COVID-19 infection. So that's what I call them as long haulers. You know, Monty, we've dealt with this before with other viruses. For example, uh, well, I mean, here we see people with uh, symptoms after they've had Lyme disease, or um, we see people with, who have had other different viruses having uh, long-lasting symptoms. Do you think it's just the sheer magnitude of COVID-19 that's uh, precipitated this effort? Um, you mean the effort of... Um you know, start, yeah, having long haulers. Is that why oh. we're paying so much attention to it when uh, you and I have seen post-viral symptoms uh, in people for years? Right. So, so you know, uh, flu has a 0.1% mortality. COVID has, a, um, uh, you know, 10 times more of a mortality. It has been devastating to, our, um, to the U.S. We have had more than 500,000 deaths. Uh, it's been devastating to the state. So it's, it's, it's a pandemic of huge proportions. And you don't think of Lyme disease or, um, uh, or the flu as a major pandemic. We had Ebola. It was very small. It, 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 it's a virus that, does, that basically kills its host, so it doesn't really spread as well. So it wasn't as devastating, and we didn't think about that as much, and we didn't see a lot of long-term effects because the host essentially passed away. Um, uh, so, uh, some of the SARS infections that we saw in the past they just, uh, people got resistant and it went away. So uh, with COVID-19 right now, is is devastating. It's ex affected globally and uh, we are seeing persistent symptoms and we don't seem to have a handle on the science 
as well as we had with the other viruses. And, and I think we will at some point. So, uh, so even with COVID, the long haulers, I mean, the COVID recovery center was established by Hartford Healthcare to give uh, patients an access because there are a lot of people struggling with these kind of symptoms. So they have access to a multidisciplinary medical um, team that can help them um, sort through these symptoms. But we are also learning. We are trying to come up with a very efficient uh, continuum of care to take care of these patients. We are collecting data. The question is, what is, uh, what is actually a post-COVID um, uh, symptom and what is from an underlying symptom and what is just a subjective symptom? And we are managing it. A lot of the things we do in rehab is education. Uh, what I'm seeing is mild to moderate people with mild to moderate infections, 30 to 40 to 50 years old, who are, who are, uh, are normal Joes and Jills who go to work. Now they are functionally affected. They can't walk up the stairs. They can't go back to work, and they are struggling. And we are having a lot of good success with just doing uh, rehabilitation, four to six visits, and educating them on how to get stronger and better. So hope that answers your question. It does, money, and I think you brought up an interesting point that I really want to clarify for listeners: is that we are all learning together, okay? Because there's not good science yet; we don't know that much about it, and really, it's thanks to media and communication and the internet from reliable sources on the internet that we are all learning. So it's almost like medicine has bared their soul in the past we would be waiting for controlled studies to be published in the New England Journal. Uh, but instead, because we have to deal with this pandemic on the run, uh, we've kind of opened things up a little bit. So sometimes people, I think, have the impression, oh, they're lying, they were wrong. Uh, that's not the case. It's that we are all learning together uh, and trying to bring as many great minds into this as we can. Um, and I find that people really need to understand that. So I'm glad you brought up that point. Um, that's important. Um, Monty, what are the most common symptoms you see people come into the center with? Yeah, so we can, um, I can kind of stratify them into three categories, physical, cognitive, and psychological. And among the physical symptoms that I commonly uh, see is fatigue, and I call it hypoxic fatigue with most people because uh, they have had some kind of uh, chest infection or pneumonia and they're still recovering from it. Um, or some of them are just deconditioned just from the illness because, um, as you must have heard, Tony, this is the, the fatigue that people talk about from, from a COVID-19 infection is very different from what you get from a flu. Um, and you, you really have to experience it to, uh, to understand it. Uh, one of the stories I heard was in New York, there was an individual who had COVID. He was in the hospital for five days, and they discharged him. And the cab left him at the front door of his house, and he had to climb up five stairs to get in through the door, and he could not because he was so short of breath. So that's how much it affects. So what, that's one common symptom we see. Uh, neck and uh, headache, neck pain and headaches. Uh, very common, and chest pain uh, along with the shortness of breath. There's this intercostal tightness that they complain about. These are some of the common physical symptoms that I see. From a cognitive aspect, I've seen uh, people basically uh, complain about lack of concentration, lack of focus, and short-term memory loss. Um, 
a, Har- a lady who was enrolled into Harvard um, actually postponed her enrollment because she could not focus, she could not concentrate, she could not do basic math. We put her through speech therapy for about three months, and I'm, um, I'm really happy to say that she's actually enrolled in the spring semester and heading back. Um, psychological, it all connects with the physical and cognitive. We find people with sleep dysfunction, uh, mood disorders, um, anxiety, and PTSD kind of symptoms. Now, on a rare occasion, I have seen a person with hemiparesis and weakness, uh, so we had to rule out whether there was actually a vascular injury or a stroke. Um, thank, thank goodness this person did not have any neurological findings. We have seen some people with vascular injuries to the leg and get swelling. We call it lymphedema, which we can treat. Uh, one of my colleagues, two of my colleagues work with me uh, on the COVID Recovery Center, Dr. Nakwi and Dr. Ruder. And Dr. Nakwi just saw one of these patients who has this underlying tremor after her COVID-19 infection, and we are sending her to movement disorder. So those are some of the um, uh, outside the bell curve kind of symptoms that we are seeing. Oh, this is uh, great information. I'm chatting today with uh, Dr. Subramani Sitharama, who is the Chief of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation at Hartford HealthCare. We're going to take a short break. And then I'm going to be back, and we're going to continue this conversation with, you know, who develops, who becomes the long haulers. We're talking about the common symptoms and really how you can get help at the Hartford HealthCare COVID Recovery Center. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and chatting with Dr. Subramani Sitharama today. Uh, and we're talking about the long haulers, people with persistent symptoms after being infected with COVID-19. Uh, Mani, we, we touched a little bit about the types of patients you see. I guess the ones that are most striking to me are, are people who are athletes, um, who have been stricken with COVID-19 and still have symptoms. Uh, many have developed cardiac symptoms, cardiomyopathies, um, as we've seen. Uh, and I know it's hard to nail it down because we're still early in what we're learning. But do you have any ideas? Uh, you mentioned you could see it at any age, but is there any um, any genders specificity? Um, do you think it could be geographical specificity? Um, what are your thoughts initially about uh, who we're seeing in this long hauler group? So, um, um, there, um, Tony, I, I got to tell you, uh, I am seeing uh, people from all um, walks of life, whether it's uh, Caucasian, African American, or Hispanic. I have a soccer coach from the southern part of the state. Uh, who's 40, very fit, and he's Hispanic, and he's having significant difficulty with uh, shortness of breath and dizziness every time he gets on the soccer field. Um, so, um, and I haven't seen any kind of gender, um, um, anything specific that females or males may be more affected. And as you know, this uh, virus has a predilection for the African-American and Hispanic group. That's the only, um, um, you know, in, a, in general that's what we have seen from, from the illness. Now, with the athletes, uh, that's, a, that's a great point because uh, you and I work with athletes. I work mainly in the high school system. So we are developing a plan to screen these athletes who have had COVID so we are sure that we don't miss out on any, especially 
any cardiac, long-term cardiac effects uh, before we let them on the field to play any kind of contact sports or any um, uh, exertional sports. We talked about uh, the Hartford HealthCare COVID Recovery Center, and I want everybody to write down the number. If you know of someone or you are experiencing symptoms, uh, the phone number to call is 860-827-3200. So it's an important number if you need help. But at the center itself, uh, Money, you said it is a multidisciplinary center. You mentioned a couple of the physicians involved. Can you talk to everybody about um, kind of who the providers are and what what's going to happen if they make an appointment? What's that visit like? Um, great question, Tony. So for the listeners, you call this number and you uh, you will immediately be connected with one of our uh, four or five primary care providers who provide a triage. So they look at your uh, subjective symptoms and then they will um, um, uh, send you referrals to the multidisciplinary team, which includes cardiology, pulmonary, general neurology, neuropsychology, behavioral and health, and obviously rehab medicine. Um, From a rehab medicine standpoint, if there is a referral to us, we have made a commitment that we will get you in within 24 to 48 hours. Uh, It could be a virtual visit. It could be an in-person visit. It depends on what is convenient for you. If I see an individual uh, on a virtual visit and I find some um, subjective symptoms that I really, really need to examine the patient, I will definitely insist that they come in in person for a second evaluation. My colleagues are doing the same thing. Um, we are also be able to refer in between us. So the other day on Thursday, one of my very smart therapists um, had seen one of my patients who's a small business owner with significant deconditioning and shortness of breath. While he was undergoing therapy, he was telling her how despondent he was and how he had lost his business, and he was really feeling down. Um, and we immediately uh, called our behavioral health colleagues, and uh, uh, we got him connected with one of the specialists on Friday. So. That's the kind of uh, collaboration we have. We, are, we talk to each other every week so we can tweak the system, make it better. Uh, our uh, neurology colleagues have a memory disorder specialists, uh, movement disorder specialists, and headache specialists who are also available if we have complicated issues that need to be taken care of. So it, it's, a, it's a very good system, and I'm really proud to be a part of it. Are there any particular things that you have found to be more successful in treating this? For example, um, is counseling, um, physical therapy, um, any particular uh, intervention been more successful? Are are there medications that you're using um, more than any other? Good question, Tony. So um, medication-wise, it is just uh, if they have joint pains, I've been using like Advil. If they have what looks like it's a nerve-related pain, uh, like some folks have with tingling and numbness in their hands, we use some of the central blocking agents like gabapentin or Lyrica. But more of it is I got to give a, a shout out to my rehab colleagues. It's been physical therapy where it's all about and it's all education. Uh, a lot of it is endurance training, conditioning. One of the things that we uh, that I had come across is an article that kind of came out of the Chinese system where they do these intercostal stretching exercises, and I found that with respiratory muscle training, these stretching exercises in people with shortness of breath and chest pain, you're getting some good recovery. 
uh, speech. I want to give a shout out to speech. A lot of these folks who are having concentration and focus issues have had maybe two or three sessions with speech education and giving them some apps to just kind of work on uh, home exercises and it has really helped them. I have a lawyer who is struggling with even just doing basic uh, lawyer stuff and she's doing really well. I had one patient who could not speak because she was short of breath and she was not coordinating her her breath sounds with her voice and speech uh, helped her with that and she was very appreciative of it. Um, and definitely, these, you know, talking to these patients, um, we have nurses who have lost their jobs. We have um, um, a school bus driver who's lost his job. They are really depressed. They don't know where, uh, where things are going. So having our psychology support with our behavioral health specialists, helping them sleep better makes such a big difference. I've been using melatonin, which is a really um, a generic drug, um, um, maybe three milligrams max. And that has helped the sleep-wake cycles to be yeah. uh, corrected. So that's been really helpful. And, and working with people's anxiety. If you're not anxious, if you're sleeping well, you feel healthier, you feel stronger, and you feel more energetic the rest of the day. So, Hey, Mani, thank you. Uh, those are all very helpful hints. But really, I want to especially thank you for the time you've spent, uh, not just with us today, but all you're doing at the Hartford HealthCare COVID Recovery Center uh, and all your work. And I guarantee you, you won't be the last physiatrist on this program. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Many thanks to our studio producer. Uh, Joe Costa has been on the board today. Jeff Chandler's in charge of sales and marketing here at Healthy Rounds. Um, next week, we'll be discussing more of the innovations, more of the progress we're making uh, on this treating this COVID-19 and addressing the COVID-19 pandemic. If you wish to contact me during the week, you can do that at info at alessimd.com. And if you have friends who have questions about the vaccine, uh, if I can't answer them, I will get somebody who can. But use that email and we would like to see everyone get out there, get vaccinated, encourage people to get vaccinated so we can lick this thing. Until next week, this is Dr. Anthony Alessi. Please stay healthy. Need an eye exam, emergency eye care? Do you need treatment for cataracts, glaucoma, diabetes, macular degeneration? Do you need a contact lens fitting? Call me, Dr. Mary Gina Rashford with the Ratchford Eye Center in Berlin. Ratchford Eye Center is on the cutting edge. RatchfordEyeCenter.com. This has been Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi. Sponsored by St. Francis Hospital, Ratchford Eye Center, Hartford Healthcare, MD Advantage, and Yukon Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Be sure to tune in next Saturday morning at 11 for more Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com.